right, well, hey, good morning, guys. I uh, hope everybody has a breath mint because we're pretty close today. Uh, thank you, Brother Charles. That's right, for the breath mints. <laughs> See, he's been sowing seed all those years. He knew that today we're going to be real close and that we're going to have to make sure we got that knocked back a little bit. So, <laughs> well, uh, thanks for working, being flexible. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Uh, and, and so, anyway, um, so good. I, I'm so glad you're with us today uh, on a Sunday morning as we gather together. Who's ready to get in God's Word? Yeah. Amen. Well, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the New Testament, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be hanging out this morning. And as you go there, I uh, want to uh, draw your attention to a verse uh, that... Uh, will be on the screen. It's in the message version, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, let's take a look at that. He said, God, this is Apostle Paul writing this. He said, God can do anything, you know. Get a church crammed into a cafeteria. Make everything work. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Maybe God's trying to tell us, don't get too comfortable. He does it not by pushing us around, but by making it rain and pour, so you have to move around, but by working within us. His Spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations and glory through all millennia. Oh yes, he ends it. Oh yes, glory to God. Why? Because he knows God, and the translation most of us are familiar with, is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be together and providing a place, God, that's dry. Um, and I thank you for everyone who's who serves and helps make things happen here in our church and for our church body. And uh, may this, this, this little inconvenience teach us to just be grateful even more for the ways you provide. And thank you for t your word. I pray now, Holy Spirit, you will bring it to life. May it just kind of leap off the page and, and hit us right in our heart and make it stick. Help us where we're down. Pick us up, oh God. Strengthen us where we're weak. Make us better. We honor you and we thank you now. We give you some time and attention right now from our hearts, our minds, our ears to your throne room. And we say, speak, Father, speak in Jesus' name. And everybody can say amen. 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 Again, glad to see you. We've been talking the last couple of weeks uh, since the beginning of the year on this theme, Great Expectations. It just kind of hit me one day in prayer as we were entering into the new year and just seeking the Lord about what God has on the horizon for 2017. And this, this, those two words just jumped out at me, great expectations. And as the scripture declares here in Ephesians 3, that God can do anything more than our wildest dreams. And, and He certainly has plans for every single one of your lives. He has a purpose for every single one of your lives, regardless of what your circumstances might be right now, God's purpose will prevail, and His, pur His purpose is perfect. If we will just trust Him, 
and put our faith in Him and let Him have the wills of our heart, uh, you know, and, and, and turn and guide and lead. He'll cause things to happen and bring us where we need to be. And there's no doubt God has these expectations for us, and we're supposed to have expectations on Him. And, but one of His big expectations for, for His followers, for, for Christians, for believers, is that we would actually grow up uh, in Christ. We would mature to be solid and strong and steady uh, in our faith and in our walk of, of faith in, on this earth. That no matter what circumstances we might get hit with or have to deal with or go through, that the, 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 the hope is that we would not, those circumstances would not take us down and not take us back, but by faith, we would gain ground. By faith, we would move forward. By faith, we can fight the good fight of faith, like the Apostle Paul declared nearing the end of his life. And he, if someone certainly is going to talk about some trials and tribulations and hardships, it's Paul, the guy was, he, had a, he encountered a whole lot of things uh, that weren't good, that, that uh, people might have said, Paul, you're, you're going in the wrong direction, but he knew he, where he was going, and God was with him and helped him. And so uh, having this kind of faith and understanding that God wants us to grow up. I love this little scripture. You can just listen to this in Ephesians 4, the message. It says, God wants us to grow up, and we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God. So there's no question about it. Those whom Jesus is in their life, you're born again, God's hope, God's design, God's plan is that we would grow up to be spiritually mature believers and not remain as infants and babes in Christ, uh, throwing temper tantrums and losing it and all the other things that, that come with that, that stage of, of infancy and adolescence. But in Christ, he says we need to grow up. Can somebody say grow up? And so we're going to look here, as we looked last week, uh, in Luke chapter 2, look at the early days of Jesus. He's just eight years, uh, excuse me, eight days old, and there's so much wisdom and so much guidance and direction and depth from the Word of God at the eight, eight days of Christ that we started looking at last week. And we, we looked at what I call the four pillars for growth, four pillars for growth, and how these four pillars need to be established in a Christian's life if we're truly going to grow up strong in the Lord. Because growing up strong and healthy in the Lord doesn't just happen. You look in the natural aspect of life, we grow, but it, we, it's not always that we grow up strong and healthy. And God wants His believers, His, His, His image bearers on this earth, to grow up strong and healthy in the image of Jesus Christ. And there's ways to do that. And, and, and we, part of it, I, we took our cues here from the early days of Jesus, the four pillars for growth. We looked at three last week, and today we're going to look at the fourth one. Just a reminder, the first one was pillar of purification, second was pillar of presentation, and the third was pillar of personalization. And, and those are, that's a part of a message I, I preached last week. So if you go on our website, you can avail yourself to that, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Go under the sermon series section, and you can pull it right up. You can download it onto your smartphone or listen to it right there direct, however you want to do that. And you can get last week's message about the, uh, about the pillars for growth. So God has great expectations for Christians to grow and to grow up strong grow up healthy, to grow up mature in Him, to be the strong and steady and sturdy kind of believers that we need to be and that He's called us to be. And He says actually He's able that that can happen. Today we're going to look at the fourth pillar, the pillar of perpetuation. 
the pillar of perpetuation. Let's look at these verses. Luke 2, verse 41 and 42. Some time has gone by. Jesus is not eight days old anymore. It says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. So every year, can you say every year? As usual. So time went on, Jesus is 12, and it's showing that over time, his parents has established this pillar that I call the pillar of perpetuation, which speaks to a spiritually blooming continuously throughout the year and throughout every season. How many of you want to actually grow through hard times? You don't want the hard times to take you down, but you want to be able to grow through them. How many of you want to go th- grow through some discouraging moments of life? Yeah. We all have seasons of setback and discouragement and disappointment, hardships that happen. The Bible talks about that, that that's going to happen. But nonetheless, in the middle of all that, you and I as believers in the Lord, we can literally grow strong. And so whatever season, and how about the seasons that are good? The seasons that are victorious, the seasons where nothing seems to phase you, the seasons where you just have smooth sailing. And those are some seasons where we need to remember to not grow lax in the principles of the faith. That's the time where we still need to keep our eyes open, we still need to be vigilant, we still need to be watchful, because we can turn the corner and we're going to go through a season of despair. And, and, that, and that's the moment where we need to realize uh, what we're made of, and that'll show us what we're made of. And so through every season and circumstance of life, it's possible for you and I to still grow in our faith and to grow strong, maturely, spiritually, blossoming and blooming throughout the year. And so it's every year, as usual, every year as parents, they attended this festival, the Passover, and it was a usual thing. And so the thing is, if we want to grow, then it's got to be intentional. We get born again, we become saved. Heaven becomes our home, our future home. But nonetheless, while we still have days on earth, it's up to us on how how we're going to do, how we're going to grow, if we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, if we're going to gain stronger faith, if we're going to become victorious over certain things, if certain strongholds that seem to be strong and big in our life are going to be broken or not. It's up to you and I if we're going to have that kind of determination and faith and and intentionality. So if we want to do that, we have to do something called cultivation, a little gardening term cultivate. It started actually in the very beginning with Adam and Eve. God created man and woman, and in chapter 2 it said God put them in the Garden of Eden to work the ground, to tend it, and to keep it. In other words, to cultivate it. So when you're cultivating land, you're preparing it to actually produce what it is you planted. And the same with our souls, the same with our life. We've got to cultivate our soul if we want to see the harvest of righteousness and godliness come out of us. Paul likens it to this, in Colossians chapter um, 3, he likens it to something really mundane, and he he likens it to getting dressed and getting undressed, clothing ourselves and unclothing ourselves. And he paints this picture using these words to take off the things that are not righteous, the things that are not godly, the things that are not holy, and the things that are not honorable to the Lord. And he describes these things. And then he says, and put on, clothe yourself in your new nature. And so... Ever since we were born, we've been getting dressed, and we've been getting undressed. And so for however many years now, it comes to a certain stage in life when mama no longer picks out the outfit and puts it on the bed and and all that. You become 
hopefully sane enough to pick out a, an appropriate thing. And then if not, don't worry, mom and dad will tell you, ixnay on the close, you're not wearing that today. And so uh, where do you think you're going in that? I don't think so. You know, and all those things. I know, you know, that's never happened to any of our young people because you guys are really responsible and really mature. And you don't ever pick out anything that's not appropriate. I get that because modest is hottest, right? And so, <laughs> and so I, I understand that. And so if not, that's your teaching point. Modest really is hottest. And so um, um, thank you, parent. You can say thank you, Pastor, for telling my kids that today because I've been trying to get that through to them. And uh, and, uh, and I'm understanding now, I've got a 10-year-old going on 16, that that's going to continue to be the case for me. And so, uh, so pray for me when you think about that. But Paul uses this, this language. It's such a mundane thing to, 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 for clothes, to put them on and take them off. and all. We do it every single day. And it's so mundane that oftentimes, once you decide what you're wearing, it's not a, it's, you don't even have to think about how to put it on. It, one pants leg at a time, one shirt a sleeve at a time. It just it has it's the same for everybody. That's it's how everybody does that. Uh, unless you've got some kind of certain skill that you just kind of seem to jump right into your clothes and, and it's real fast, like Superman or something. But but the thing is, is it uh, it's it's such he uses it such a mundane thing. But it's something we do every day because it's the usual part of our life. And so I want to talk to you today about these spiritual, this pillar of, of, of perpetuation, blooming continuously, growing continuously in the Lord by doing the usuals. There are some usuals in the Bible that the Bible highlights and the Bible brings out. It says these are some things that are usual. There's probably not a lot of, it's, it's not a lot of, not a lot of uh, pizzazz, not a lot of you know, flamboyancy, doesn't get a lot of you know, YouTube likes or Facebook likes or, or any of that kind of stuff. It's just what it is. Yeah, but the promise is that if we will practice these and implement these spiritual usuals in our life, then, friends, you and I can grow stronger in Christ, and we can grow stronger in Him, and we will mature. We will mature. The majority of our problems are not necessarily the enemy, per se, as much as it is our own flesh. Because we refuse to grow up. We refuse to let our pride go. We refuse to listen to counsel. We refuse to let the, look at the mirror of God's word and let it wash us, the water of God's word, and let it wash us and make us clean and change our life. So anyway, there's some usual. So I'm going to break them down this way. You guys ready? All right, number, the first spiritual usual uh, that we need to happen in our life if we're going to bloom and grow is this, is prayer and the word. And all these things I tell you today, you're going to be, yeah, duh, so old, I get that. But how many times do we not really get it? Prayer and the Word. Philippians 4, take a look at this. Philippians 4. Paul says this, he says, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. No limitation. No definition, wide open, no boundary, nothing, nothing is, can't be discussed, nothing can't be prayed for. Pray about everything. He says, tell God what you need and, then, and thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. When does God's peace come in? After we pray and after we thank Him. 
Then his peace, it says, his peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We're told to pray about everything. One of the things that I've started doing over probably just the last couple of months is literally praying about everything. I used to think I had to wait to pray about something till I got alone, got kind of nobody was around, maybe in my car by myself, at home by myself, and had that moment, that quiet time that we, we describe so frequently. And, and what I began to realize is, man, I don't have to wait to really just get alone. I can start praying about stuff now. So, uh, so one of the things that the Holy Spirit's really kind of prompted me on when it comes to praying about everything is that when I feel fear, is I start to tell God, God, I feel afraid, and I don't know why. Or if I think I know why, I'll say, God, I don't like that this is causing fear in me. I, don't, I, I know it's not you, but I just want you to know because um, I need your help to not let this fear get the best of me, or whatever it might be, because what I was, what I, I was discovering was when I allowed fear and certain other things to begin to build up and begin to become big in, my, in me, then what happened was I began to get frustrated. And then my frustration was then expressed in a not-so-happy way to people, especially at home. And, and that's not what I want to teach my kids, is that, why are you upset, Dad? Well, because I, I can't really tell you, you know. But really is certain things got me. Certain things got to me. They got into me, and, and it's not good. So that's one of the things the Holy Spirit started prompting me on is, hey, don't wait three hours before you go find yourself alone. Start praying now. Start talking to the Lord now. So I think Paul was on to something that it's not just about a morning prayer, an afternoon prayer, and an evening prayer time, but it's all the time I can talk to God about anything. And I can be honest with myself because that gets you honest with yourself is that this is really troubling. This is really bothering me. This has gotten the best of me and it can't keep doing that because I don't shine Christ when I let those things get the best of me. Amen? So he said pray about everything and prayer eventually leads to God's peace. So I started doing that and and then kind of out of the blue, I just had overwhelming peace fall on me. Peace that doesn't make any sense, and God's peace is there. And, and that, to me, I know, is better than fear. But fear didn't leave until I first prayed. Amen? Prayer, and, but also the Word of God. Look at this verse, Hebrews 4. The, the writer of Hebrews defines God's Word like this. He said, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God, it has the power to change our life. The Word of God has the power to change your life. God's Word, over 31,000 verses, has the power to change our life. God's Word is not just for showing us the bad of parts of our life. God's Word is not just to show us what's wrong in our life. God's Word is there primarily to transform our life. As Paul declares in Romans 12 too, stop conforming to the patterns of this world, but rather have your mind transformed. Have your your lives transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. Then you will know God's will is perfect and pleasing and all that stuff because your mind begins to get changed. And our minds get changed by having God's Word come into it. And, 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 and for lack of a better description, infect it, invade it, cause our mind to, to re, be recalibrated, to be rebooted, to be refreshed. And, to, and when the more of God's Word comes in, the more of the worldly knowledge and thoughts and ideas go out. And it becomes more, and our minds become more filled more with what is right, what is noble, what is well, what is healthy, what is good, what is righteous, as Philippians also teaches us to think on these things. But how are you going to think on something if you first don't have it inside of you, right? You got to get on the inside. Why, why can I change my mind? Why can I change my, the course of my, of my direction? Because you got to get God's word in you because God's word has the power to change your mind. I like this quote from Christine Kane, famous preacher in the gospel all around the world. She said, Jesus Christ saved my soul but the Word of God saved my mind. You want to have a sane mind? You want to have a peaceful mind? You want to have a good-hearted mind? Then it takes God's Word to get in you. God's Word has the power to change our life. When it comes to the, the Word of God and the prayer of God, here's, here's what I read about this. It says, we can live without praying. It's true. Or we can live while we pray. Soaking every place, every appointment, every activity with God's presence. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whatever issue, situation you find yourself dealing with, pray about it. If that's not been a practice of yours, then please, it's not a challenge. It's just, it, 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 it's God's truth that says, try me in this. Put me, my words to the test because I will come through for you. Pray about everything. Some of you have got surgeries this week. Some of you have got re test results coming back this week. Some of you got some tests in school this week. Some of you got tests in your relationships this week. Some of you have got some problems at work. You've got things, projects due, and all these other things. God doesn't want to be an innocent bystander watching you struggle through life. God wants to be right there in the middle of what it is you're going through. He wants to be with you every step of the way, but He can't be with you if you don't acknowledge Him and invite Him in. So pray about everything. Find a routine. You might say, man, I find it hard. I'm busy. i got everything going on. I'm barely making it as it is. I've got, I've got all this happening in my life. My, if you should see my schedule, it is crazy. I have to put it on my calendar just to find time to sleep. You might be that way. Busy. I don't know. Here's what I want to tell you. Find a routine. Develop the habit of praying and getting into the Word. Find a routine. Develop a habit that's going to get you actively engaged in praying and in the Word of God, because here's the thing, nothing can substitute it. Nothing can substitute praying and getting in God's Word. Nothing. It's, it's from this flows life. From God, from connecting, from being with Him, from being in His Word flows life. It's like having a faucet and a hose. If you've got a faucet and you are the hose and you've got a hose, you turn on the faucet, and the water comes out 
but you're looking at the hose and you're like, why isn't the water coming out of the hose? What would make the water come out of the hose? Connecting it to the faucet, right? Yeah. Connecting the hose to the faucet, making sure it's unkinked, it's stretched out, and then you turn on the faucet and the water flows through the hose. God is our faucet. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. God is our faucet. You are the hose. Connect to me and I'll feed you. From me flows life. So there's not a problem. There's not a diagnosis. There's not an issue. There's not anything that God is not able to help you with and that God is not able to give you victory over and give you strength. You might have to labor and you might not have to go through it, but the guarantee is that you will make it and you will become stronger on the other side if your hose is connected to the faucet. So get yourself connected to the faucet. God is saying, I'm here to pour out in your life. I'm here to give you myself. I showed you that 2,000 years ago when I gave my son to you. And now you can abide with me and walk with me. And in the meantime, I'm up here preparing a place for you and that I will come back at some point in time and I will come back and get you and you will enjoy paradise forever with me. But until then, you got a life to live. you got a purpose to pursue. you got a destiny to go after. you got gifts to use. you got people to save. You got vo- you've, got, you've got a world in front of you that God says, I want to use you and I want to build you and I want to grow you because you're it. You're who I put my trust in on this earth, the church, to save the world. And friends, we've got to stay connected. We've got to be connected. Prayer and the Word. Here's another one quickly. Is another usual, talking about spiritual usuals, to build up our pillar of perpetuation that will make us grow, mature throughout all seasons of life. Worship and fellowship corporately. Worship and fellowship corporately. In the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, God poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. Peter preached his, his first real message after, after days of separation from the Lord and... 3,000 people got saved, and, and, the, and it paints a and it describes the action, the activity of the early church. And Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through, at the end of that chapter, verse 47, and some things that stand out that need to be a part of our own modern day church. And, and here's some things that stood out they met together in one place to worship. They shared with each other to meet others' needs. They even ate together in each other's houses. And it said they did this daily and weekly. So they were together a whole lot more than, than church gets together in this day and hour. A whole lot more. Daily and weekly. But this was the aspect, this was the, the description of the early churches that they came together a whole lot. The writer of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Look at this verse. He says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. So there was something going on that the writer of Hebrews saw that was happening in the lives of believers. People were not wanting to continue to come together, meet together, worship and fellowship together together corporately as the body of Christ. Some things were going on. Things were, they were getting busy. 
They, they had a, a full schedule. They, they had issues. They had problems. They were allowing a lot of things to get in the way and redirecting and reorienting their life. And, and, and the writer here says, look, you, got, you can't stop coming together as some are in the habit of doing. So here's what you need to do. You need to encourage them. You need to encourage each other to come together. We're called, encouraged throughout the New Testament to come together and meet together, worship and fellowship together frequently. Frequently. And here's a great, one of the great benefits of doing this together and coming together is presence. Presence. You get presence. You get the presence of the Holy Spirit and you get the presence of one another. Yeah, I get God's with you outside of here. We are the church, not just because we gather, but coming together demonstrates to the world that human bodies can be unified. Multi-generation, multi-race can be together in one room and not hate each other's guts. The church has to, must demonstrate what real love is to the world. Because, friends, the world has got it wrong. The church has to show it. And we show it one big way when we come together every week. Every week. And the benefit is, yeah, the presence of the Holy Spirit is different than it is when you're all by yourself. There's a big difference. And you gain the presence of one another. The presence of one another. I would hate to think, man, if I had to go weeks on end and not be able to be with the church family, what that must feel like. The longest I think I've had to do that is about two weeks when I was sick really bad a few years ago. And it was odd. It was strange. It just is weird. Because so much there's, there's such great... There's such a great miracle that takes place when God's people come together. The Psalms describes it in Psalm 133, how pleasant and how good it is when we dwell together in unity. So we gain the benefits of God's presence together and the benefit of one another's presence because the New Testament is full of scriptures, of one another's scriptures, to love one another, encourage one another, serve one another, give to one another, forgive one another, all these one another commands. But we can't do that if we aren't together, right? You can't do any one another's unless you are with one another, right? It's just real common sense. And I know we're good at our excuses as to why we let things rob us of this. But friend, when your eyes are open to the beautiful picture and the display of Christ's body coming together weekly weekly to worship and fellowship with one another, it's life-changing. Life-changing. And lastly, we're talking about the spiritual usuals of building this pillar of perpetuation in our life, this pillar that will be strong, that will allow us to mature in the Lord, is giving and serving. Giving and serving. Giving is a heart issue. It's not a dollar issue. It's a heart issue. Look at what Jesus describes in Matthew 6. It'll be on the screen. He said this. He said, No one, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You 
cannot serve both God and money. Verse 25, that is why he said, I tell you that because I tell you not to worry about everyday life. I tell you this to not worry about everyday life. I tell you this because I don't want you to worry about everyday life. But what do we tend to do? Worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And jump down to verse 33. He sums it up and says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Talking about God, our Father, will give us everything we need. Some of us in this room today have such a hard time really trusting God to provide everything that we really need. There are days, believe me, in my own life where I wonder, God, how are you going to do this one? <laughs> Woo, that's a doozy. How are you going to do this one? And I, then, I, then fear kind of starts coming in, and I'm prompted, oh, pray about everything. God, instead of questioning how, I'm just going to tell you how it's bugging me, how it's bothering me, and how it's getting the best of me. And it's up to you on however you're going to do it. So giving is really a heart issue. It's a heart issue. I've got this little story from a little book I've been reading called Mondays with My Old Pastor. A little story, full of stories. He says this. He says, a wise Greek man was exploring the land and he felt satisfied and proud of his knowledge of philosophy and science. And on one occasion, he had to cross a river, so he boarded a boat. The old boatman rhythmically rowed the oars and looked distractedly at the water. And then the wise man asked the boatman, Do you know astronomy? No, sir, I don't. Well, then you've lost a fourth of your life. Do you know philosophy? No, sir, I sure don't. Well, then you've lost a fourth of your life. You must at least know ancient history. No, no, sir, I don't. Well, then you've lost another fourth of your life. And right then, a blast of wind violently shook the boat and tipped it over. Both men fell into the river. The boatman effortlessly swam toward the riverbank, and once there he observed the wise man desperately waving his hands in the water. The river was quite swollen, and the current was strong. The boatman asked, Do you know how to swim, my wise friend? No, he shouted in desperation. I don't know how to swim. Well then, you've lost all your life. <laughs> Human beings live worried about a lot of things, but only a few things are really necessary. And that... I think is what Jesus is trying to get across to his people. I look at giving in this simple format. I look at it, I, I, it actually is an acronym. I didn't mean for it to be, but it turned out to be the acronym HOT. Honor God. Obey God. Trust God. My view on this giving issue kind of looks through that angle. Honor God. How? Put Him first. How do I do that? Tithe. 
You see, I don't tithe to be a better Christian. I tithe because I want God to be number one in my heart. Because the temptation is, and Jesus knows this and expounded much more occasions about money and possessions, that is, those things are fighting to be the ruler of my heart. And so Jesus and the Word of God knows when we tithe, it's about putting God first. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, I, I just never have. I don't. I, I'm, I don't even know if I can. Looking at my means, my budget, et cetera, et cetera. Here's what I just want to tell you. It's a simple, simple thing. Start somewhere. Be consistent in that somewhere. And then annually, look at how you can increase that a little bit more to work your way towards tithing. If you're not there, maybe you, that's if you, you, know, maybe you don't have that balloon of room, start somewhere. Be consistent. And then build your faith in that consistency because that's what it will do. And then annually just look at how you can increase that a little the next year. Look at it that way. Obey God. What does that mean? Do what His Word teaches us to do. How do I do that? Stewardship. Stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship is also about our time, our energy, our talents. It also has to do with our treasure because Jesus said where your, what does he say? Where your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. It's a big part of it. Stewardship. Just look at it this way. Aim to be better at practicing the principles of God's word. Don't just wait around for the conditions to change and improve because oftentimes they're not, but they will change and improve the more you and I practice the principles of God's Word. But here's what I want to drop on you with this. If you need help on becoming a better steward, ask. The Bible's clear you have not because you ask not. You need help? Ask. Come to us, ask us. We will help get you connected to some people that can help coach you along the life of a better steward. Amen? Trust God. Told you. It's hot. Honor, obey, trust. Trust. Well, honor is about putting God first. Trust is about keeping Him first. How do we do that? You continue to do what you know to do. You continue to tithe. You continue to give no matter what. No matter what. Because here's what happens when you do it no matter what. It changes your perspective. It changes your perspective. Instead of seeing life and the bigness of it, what happens is you begin, you, you, you always see how big God is in the midst and compared to the size of life. I know life is real and life hits hard. Life is powerful, but God is bigger. God's the one who created us and created life and put us on earth in life and put life in us. But he has always remained bigger. He always has, always will. And he can handle anything we throw at him. He can handle it. But he also wants us to be able to handle life the way he tells us to according to his word. And so when we trust God, it keeps him first. We continue to do what God's word tells us to do. And it changes our perspective and we see just how big, how faithful, and how good our God is even in the midst of our days of shortcomings and setbacks. Giving, 
serving. Giving is a heart issue, serving. It's a hand issue. The question is, will we use our hands to serve Jesus and other people? Big question. I want to tell you that as we start this new year off, this was in the, our announcements, but now it's in the message. Is this, is that we want to help you build your relationships through the church, in the church, as well as help you develop your gifts. And so I'm inviting you this coming Saturday to our team day, 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., two and a half hours. And we're going to have some time. You're going to hear from me. You're going to hear from other leaders in our church and talk about different areas of ministry where we can all do something in. And so I want to encourage you, accept the invitation... All you've got to do is put your name down on the list at the connect table. To my back left corner is a table there with signage. Drop by there before you leave here in a few minutes and put your name down to come to team day. It's a time where our church can grow stronger, a time where you can build your relationships and develop your gifts to serve the Lord with your own hands and two feet and the gifts that he's put on the inside of you. Because giving is a... Heart issue, serving, a hand issue, it's a visible thing. It's an outward expression that people see and that God takes note of. And if you and I are going to be intentional about growing in the Lord and becoming mature believers, here's the deal. We have to make sacrifices and we have to give of ourselves because nothing will ever be returned back to you if you don't ever first give out of you. To whom much is given, much is required. And to the measure that you sow is also to the measure that you will receive. That's universal about everything, about your time, about your talent, and about your treasure. Amen? Let's bow our heads. You want your life to bloom spiritually, you got to be intentional. It doesn't just happen because you wake up, go through the day. It happens when we apply our faith to God's Word. Prayer in the Word, worship and fellowship together, giving and serving. There's, there are more usuals in the Bible. These are just some of the big ones, the top ones that, that I know are effective in our day right now at this hour. So let's take advantage of these. And if you're here today and you're like, man, yeah, I, I know. God's, God's pricking my heart. The Holy Spirit's prompting me. I know. He's challenging me. He's convicting me to grow in certain areas. Then receive this prayer. Father, I thank you for everyone here. The different stages of life, conditions of life different for every one of us. Some are similar, but they're different. I know there's some we don't know what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. But we're called to walk in yours. We're called to follow in your footsteps. We're called to walk the narrow way, the path of righteousness. And it just doesn't happen. We have to make ourselves go that way. 
we've already, those of us who have already said yes to you in salvation, we've all, you, the gate's been opened, the door's been opened, and there we are. So wherever we find ourselves, Lord, on this spectrum of spiritual maturity, I know there's one pillar that needs to be strong in our life, and that is the pillar of this perpetuation to always grow throughout every season, no matter what we face and what we deal with. So I pray today for those who desire that, want to walk in that, that your grace will be poured out in a strong way. Your presence will be great and mighty in their life. And that, Lord, you would begin to just create this desire, this stronger desire and craving to be with you, to pray about everything. Lord, to be with one another in worship and fellowship, to not just attend, but to engage. And Lord, to truly trust you, obey you, and honor you by giving and serving as you bless us. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You want that? Then you got to intentionally do it. And here's what I want to leave you with this. Start somewhere. Start somewhere with the things that we've learn from God's Word. Just start somewhere. Stay with it. And here's this, then find your stride. Find your stride. The healthy pace. Here's the thing about a healthy pace. It'll challenge you, but it will also convict you. It'll challenge you to want to do more, and it will convict you to say you need to do more. So find that stride. Start, stay, find that stride with wherever and whatever one of these usuals that are going on in God's Word.